Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. If you were to ask me the purpose of why we have Vision Sunday every year, it's so that we might be reminded of why we do what we do. Church and gatherings like this is the what. And if we lose the why behind the what, we're going to get unfocused and we're going to stop wanting to come because we need a strong why. And every Vision Sunday for us is an opportunity for us to say, hey, come on church, remember, this is why we are here. This is why we are doing all that we are doing. I know you could go to the beach. I know you could go to the movies. I know you could do a hundred other things this morning, but this is why we're here. This is why we do what we do as a company of people called Victory Church. And that's why we have Vision Sunday so that our why would remain very strong. So what is our why? It is simply this. It's been reduced to a sentence. It is to connect people. Everyone say people. It's precious people that God is interested in. If it was just about us spending time with God, we can do that in heaven. If it was just about us singing songs, we can do that in heaven. But God has left us here for a very important reason, and that is to connect with people. We are here on mission to connect people to God to connect people to His church and to connect people to their purpose. That is why we are here. And if we forget why we are here, we will lose sight of what we are doing. And all of a sudden, all the other things that come our way will have a great pull and attraction on our lives. And so this year, the theme is reach and reproduce. Say it with me, reach and reproduce. That is our heart for this year. I want to reach people and I want to reproduce ourselves at an accelerated rate this year that we've never seen before. We've done this in measure in the past, but I want to give an all out focus on us reaching and reproducing. So turn with me if you would, or look on the screens as we read from 2 Timothy chapter 2, reading from the NIV. It says in verse 1, you then, my son. Now what you need to understand is this is an older man. He's about to lose his life. He knows it. He's escaped death many times before, but Paul has a knowing in his spirit that though he's uh, cheated death many times before, uh, it's coming to an end. His life is coming to an end and uh, he's speaking to a young man and he calls him son. Why? Because Christianity is founded on relationship. And he says, son. Christianity, first and foremost, is a relationship. As believers in Christ, we are brothers and sisters one to another. We are family. And Paul, this older man who knows he's about to go the way of all flesh, wants to deposit something into this young man's life and he leaves him with a charge. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, No one competes as an athlete that does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to share in the crop. Reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. The first thing that this older man says to this younger man, he says, be strong. Everyone say, be strong. He says, be strong in Christ through His grace. Here's the thing you need to understand. You cannot be strong enough in your own strength. He says, be strong 
in Christ. This is a strength that you do not have in yourself. And it's packaged by a little thing called grace. See, grace is not just unmerited favour. You know, forgiven of things that uh, we've done wrong, that, that's part of grace. But it's more than that. Grace gives us a power. The Bible says grace gives us the ability to say no to ungodliness. And so when we are tempted and when we have desires that we know are, are, are not right, Grace in our lives will give us the strength to say no. Without grace in our lives, the temptation will get the better of us and we will find that we do what we don't want to do. How many of you have ever succumbed to temptation and you said, oh, I didn't want to do that, but I did it. I don't want to do it, but I keep doing what I don't want to do. Do you know your problem? You see more grace. Because grace gives you a strength on the inside to say, hey, I'd love to do that. I'd love to try that. I'd love to be involved in that thing. But I have something burning on the inside of me. I have a power on the inside of me. And it's allowing me to overcome my temptation, to overcome my flesh and to be able to say no. You've got to learn to be able to say a strong no to certain things in life. And grace will give you the power to do that when temptation comes your way. Temptation is not a sin. When you are tempted, that is not a sin. It's when we give in to temptation. But God wants to pour out His grace that's found in Christ Jesus. And He wants us to live in that grace all of our days. And every day, God is available to give us more grace. And so if you're struggling, if you need help, there is grace available to you. Everyone say grace. And that's what makes it so amazing because it's unmerited favour, but it's so much more. It's not just unmerited favour. It is so much more. Paul, as an older man, looks at this younger man and says, hey, be strong. Be strong. Love that. I love it. It kind of suggests that Christianity is a little bit more than just singing Kumbaya. You don't need to be strong to sing Kumbaya. You just need to know how to play the guitar, really. I mean, but Paul says, be strong. And it's to suggest that our Christianity is more than just singing a few little songs, getting in a little circle or a holy huddle. There's something more at stake. There's a mission to be fulfilled. And to fulfill that mission, it's going to take a strength. And it's a strength you don't have. So you better call upon God to get His grace, to have the strength to fulfill the mission, to fulfill the vision. And then he says, as a result of his life coming to an end, he says, I, I want you to remember. I want you to remember, Timothy, the things I said to you. I want you to remember them, Timothy. Uh, and the things that Paul said were not just his ideas. They weren't just vain philosophies. Paul was a man of the Word of God. And he said, I, I want you, Timothy, to remember the Word of God that I spoke to you. I, I want you to be diligent. Everyone say diligent. I want you to be diligent with the Word of God. Don't let the Word of God in your heart go. Don't let it go. Look after it. Preserve it. Be diligent with the Word of God. Guard the Word of God that has been entrusted to you. And then he says, not only do I want you to guard what was entrusted to you, and that's your responsibility, Timothy. And I believe that Paul, if he was here today, he'd be saying the same to every one of us. Guard it. But then I want you to invest it in the lives of others. In other words, it's great that you guard it, but don't just keep it to yourself. I want you to start pouring out your life into the lives of others. I want you to give what you've guarded to others. Keep it, guard it, remember it, but then don't just keep it to yourself. Pass it on to others. Invest in the lives of others. But it doesn't stop there. There's one other component to what Paul told Timothy. Firstly, he says, guard it. Then he says, invest it. And he says, once you've done that, I want you to get those that you invest into to tell them to share it. I want you to guard it, invest it and share it. 
In other words, it's got to go beyond just the person you're talking to. I, I want you to not just make disciples. There's a little bit of a misnomer that God wants us to make disciples and, and, and that is true in measure. But I, I think what God is really saying through Timothy here is that I want you to make disciples of disciple makers. Because if we just make disciples, it's gonna stop at the next generation. But if we can go beyond the next generation and make disciples of people who 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 make disciples, the generations are in safe hands. And so that's what Paul is saying here to this young man. And I believe it's the very same thing that Paul would be saying to us at Victory Church if he was alive today. Make disciples of disciple makers. In other words, ministry is not something we get for ourselves, to keep to ourselves. Simple, yeah? I mean, the whole thing sounds so simple. Why? Because it is. It's really simple. All you gotta do, according to what Paul said, is get around people. You've gotta just love them, speak to them, encourage them, Open up your home to them. This is not hard. Discipleship is not hard. Comma. But it is hard work. Discipleship is not hard. It's real simple. We've just been told what to do. Just do it. But it is hard work. It's not hard. But it is hard work. Because loving people is hard work. You know, if people just acted and responded the way we should, it would be easy. What makes discipleship hard is people. <laughs> On paper, discipleship is real easy. Get around some people, invite them around your home, love on them, care for them. Hey, forgive them. Hey, easy. But then people do come in your home with their muddy shoes, and it's not as easy. It's hard. And herein lies the paradox of Christianity. And with all truth, you must hold truth in tension with other truth. So when the Bible says you've got to love them, it also says you've got to lead them. And leading people is harder than just loving them. Loving them is just this unconditional man, whatever you do, I love you. But now I've got to lead you out of that. And that's where the tension is. Because discipleship's easy. It's not hard. But putting it into practice is hard work, especially when things go wrong. And wherever there are people, things always go wrong. They do. It's amazing. We're like, oh, this, this shouldn't have happened. We need a theology that's bigger than, this shouldn't have happened. If that's the level of our theology, it's not big enough. We need a theology that says, it shouldn't happen. It has happened. And we're gonna deal with it because of the strength that I have in Christ through the grace that He gives me. That's a better theology than sitting around saying, this shouldn't happen. Get the guitar. We've gotta have a bigger theology than that. We've got to have something more than kumbaya. And if you like that song, sing it at home. I just... Are you with me today? This is Paul's response. Join with me in my suffering. He's an older man. He's not backing off. Why would he say suffering? I'll tell you why. Because whenever you deal with people... Suffering is involved. You can't deal with people and not experience suffering. May I add, great suffering. Do you know, with the loss of Chris, with all due respect, Lise, with the loss of Chris, we're all suffering. At varying levels, we are suffering. Why? Because it's a loss of a person. This is not a car that's been damaged. This is not a car that's been written off. 
This is a precious person. And so as a result, there's suffering. Wherever there are people, there is great suffering. And Paul says, suffer with us. Don't allow what's happened to cause you to give up. Let, let us suffer together. I, I, I find it the greatest joy to be married. But being married, there's a measure of suffering. <laughs> there will be after this, I can promise you that. I love being a dad, but there's a measure of suffering that's associated with being a dad. Not the title, I'm a dad. It's, it's the precious people that make your dad that the suffering. Dad on paper is easy. The books are fantastic. Doing it, hard work. Being a, being a biblical husband, it's hard work. And we suffer much because people are involved. And things happen. But oh, the joy. And, and Paul is not being morbid here. He's just being real. And he's saying, you know, I want you to suffer with me. Why? Because it's worth it. It's worth it. I mentioned about marriage having a measure of suffering or a fathering having a measure of suffering. But you know what? I want to say, it's all worth it. Wouldn't change it for anything, it's worth it. We've got to value people. And so Paul wants to make a point with this young man, Timothy. And so he says, Timothy, uh, I want you to remember. I want you to remember the soldier. Now, I don't know if Timothy was a young man that was into soldiers, you know, playing soldiers when he was growing up. Maybe it, was a, maybe it was a personal interest that Paul knew about. And so he used that interest to make a point, maybe. But more than likely, it was because of all the Roman soldiers that were everywhere. And Paul, uh, who was brilliant at the art of capture, looked into society, looked into the culture and used something from the culture that everyone uh, recognised and spoke into it. He says, consider the, consider the soldier for a minute, Timothy. Soldiers are focused. They're not distracted by civilian affairs. They're not distracted by all the other great things that there are to do out there. They have a job and they remain focused and on point and on task to that job. Now, don't get me wrong, there's lots of great things to do and I, and I would say to you, do them if you can, but not at the expense of the mission and the vision and the purpose. There's lots of likes I have in my life and that's not wrong, it's not a sin. But can I say, don't allow those things to become the greater thing. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says, Timothy, remember the greater thing. Remember the greater thing with a capital T. All those other things are just things, small t, but remember the greater thing. Think of the soldier who's focused and doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. Then he says, think of the athlete. Now again, whether it was because Timothy was into sport or again because of the Olympics and all those things and sport being so prevalent in that area at that time and he drew another conclusion from culture, I don't know. But he says this, he says, the, obedient, uh, the, the uh, athlete is obedient. He must compete according to the rules. If he's a high jumper, you can't get a little mini tramp. Boing. That's cheating. You can't just do whatever you want to do. You, you can't just switch lanes. You've got to stay within your lanes. And if you break the rules, you're disqualified. And so he's, he's drawing a parallel here. He's saying, Timothy, be like the athlete who's obedient. You want a certain result, you've got to live a certain way. Yeah. See, see, you can't not pray and not read your Bible and then expect to have power in your life. You can't live like that. 
There are God's ways or God's rules, as it were. And if we violate those ways, if we violate those rules, it's going to be to our own detriment. We're going to disqualify ourselves. We're going to disqualify ourselves from the power that's available. The Bible says, forgive your brothers. If you live with unforgiveness in your heart, you disqualify yourself. Come on, Timothy. Be like the athlete who competes according to the rules. You can't break the rules and expect to have the same result. Uh, imagine that high jumper that gets the mini tramp. He bounces on the mini tramp. He jumps a world record. And he's like, yeah, I'm awesome. So now you're disqualified. What do you mean? It's not fair. You don't love me. You've got a bad attitude. No, 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 dude. You just broke the rules. It's not how I feel about you. You just broke the rules. And sometimes we conclude that God doesn't love us. Or God has favourites. Or people don't love you. Or people have favourites. When really we just, we just violated the rules. We live with unforgiveness in our heart. It's never going to go for, as well for you as the person who lives with forgiveness in their heart. And we can conclude, oh, God doesn't love me. Or that person doesn't love me. And yet we've disqualified ourselves. And Paul's saying, Timothy, don't be like that. Be like the athlete who, who knows the rules and sticks within them. And thirdly, he says, think of the farmer. Obviously, life was very rural back then, particularly in that part of the world. And so farming was everywhere. And farmers are diligent. They know how to work hard. And in their working hard, they reap a harvest. But can I just add, it's not just working hard, it's working consistently hard. Sometimes we have a hard day in the office. Oh, I worked hard today. Yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. And when you have two hard days, do another one. Do three. Get a hat trick. And then when you get three days, put a, string a few more together and get a whole week. And when you've done that, know this. You've only done a week. Work hard. Consistently hard. And that's what Paul is saying here about the farmer. He's saying he works consistently hard. This is the farmer's day. He gets up. He plows the ground. Works hard, just ploughing the ground, but he's not finished. And then he has to sow the seed, but he's still not finished. And then he has to water the soil. And then he has to wait. But waiting is not sitting back doing nothing. It's what I call actively waiting. And in the waiting, where he can see nothing happening, he gets up the next day and he waters the seed again. And then he goes back to his farm and he cleans all the equipment looks out, nothing to show for it. And then he goes out the next day and waters it all again, comes back in, cleans the equipment. He's waiting, but he's actively waiting. He's diligent. He's working hard. And he does that day after day after day after day. And this, you know what? He reaps a harvest. And when he reaps a harvest, it's not like, woohoo, done. We can go to be in heaven. It's just, hey, no, no, no. It means this, more work. And so the moment the harvest is there, guess what? Tractors. It's a tractor. (laughs) Getting in all the harvest and then cleaning it, then packaging it, and then selling it. And then he looks at his field. Got to plough it again. So he ploughs it again. And then he sows again. And then he waters again, and he cleans his equipment again, and he waits again, and he cleans his equipment as he waters. And then there's a harvest again, but it's more work. Timothy, be like the farmer. Be like the farmer, Timothy, that works diligently, that doesn't give up. Discipleship is a process. I wish there was a pill. I wish there was a discipleship pill. I would give all of you one right now, including me. I'd take three. It's not like that. Discipleship, mate, is like one step forward, two steps back. One step forward, whoa, oh my gosh, what happened? And you've got to be diligent and say, you know what? Have one more conversation. And we sit down and have a conversation. And that conversation didn't go well. They responded badly and they're off. Oh my gosh, there's three steps back. I must be like a farmer and sow again. 
Find someone else. Who can I speak to? Who can I love on? Who can I reach out to? Who can I reproduce myself into? That's what this year is going to look like. We're going to be very diligent in making sure that whatever you are involved in in this church, you're going to have someone at the right hand of you and you are going to be showing them what you do and you're going to be reproducing yourself in them. And then you're going to encourage them to get another little minion that they can sow back into. I I thank God that just last week, my nine-year-old daughter, our nine-year-old daughter, um, (laughs) came to me with her Kid Go Jump uh, t-shirt. I said, Dad, look, I get to serve in kids. It's like she's been waiting a whole nine years to serve in kids. Awesome. Little minion helping out. It's fantastic. And it's right. For nine years, she's been invested into, invested into. Now, reproduce. Takes time, takes effort. We have to be diligent. Lots of effort. Because people are precious. People, d- discipling people is a lot harder than watching a movie. Discipling people is a lot harder than just going to church. Discipling people is hard work. Oh, it's worth it. And I would encourage you, Victory Church, to join with me and others in reaching people this year like never before and reproducing ourselves like never before. Let's make this a year of accelerated reach and reproduction. That's what this is about. And then Paul concludes with this thought to this young man. He says, I want you to think about what I've said. I need you to catch this. I want you to reflect, other translations say, reflect on. In other words, you need to grab what I've said, Timothy, and go away and think about what I've said. Not what you don't like. Not what you're feeling. Don't don't think about your feelings. I didn't like that. I think he's got a bad attitude. No, no, I didn't say think about your feelings. There's a word. He said, I want you to think about what I've just said. And here's the key, church. He says, if you think about what I've said to you, God can get on that. And he can bring insight. But if you're only thinking about your feelings, God can't get on that. God is not interested when we're just whinging and nursing and rehearsing about our feelings. He can't get on that. But, but when we start thinking about and reflecting upon his word, so I, I don't get the word. Help me to understand what, what Paul is trying to say here and the implications. What is it to be a hardworking farmer? Oh, God, can, God can bring insight to that. God can get in on that. But, but when, we, when we sit there and we just complain, oh, I think that Paul guy doesn't like me. Who, what, he doesn't appreciate what I do for him. Who does he think he is saying those things? Farmer. I'm not going to pick up a plough. I don't even like farming. God can't get on that. What's this old man? Has he lost his mind talking about? I'm not an athlete. What's he talking about? I don't like farming. I'm not a soldier. What's this old man going on about? God can't get on that. God's just like... Just deaf to that. But if we reflect on what he's saying and strip ourselves of the attitude, Paul is saying, the Lord will bring clarity. And I'm trusting as we reflect on what I'm saying to you, really think about it. God will bring clarity for what that means to you specifically. So you don't have to go out and buy a javelin. Don't have to go and buy a machine gun. You don't have to go and buy a tractor. That's not the point. They're metaphors, they're illustrations. And if we can think about what does obedience, what does greater obedience look like for me this year? That I might have greater reach and reproduction. What does that mean? God will get on that this year. If we start thinking about what does greater focus for me look like that I might have greater reach and reproduction this year, what is that like? God can get on that. 
Yeah? What, what does greater obedience for me look like this year? That we might have greater reach and greater reproduction. I think God can get on that and bring a measure of clarity. That's what Paul is saying to this old man, or to this young man. And I love it. He's, he's an older man, but he's still full of faith. He's still investing. This is not an old man who's just kind of forget those young generation and just off traveling around the country. On his deathbed, he's not even thinking, he's thinking of others. On his deathbed, he's thinking of others. That's the kind of church I want to be part of. Church that's thinking of others. It's rewarding, but it is painful. And it's painful but it is rewarding. And I would encourage the church to join me in the fight. Join me in the race. Join me in the farming as we seek to reach and reproduce like never before. In order for us to do that, a portion of Victory Vision Sunday is about unpackaging some of the things that we're going to do this year, some are bigger things, some are smaller things. And we talk about staffing changes. And, and, and there's going to be a new number of staffing changes um, as a result of Chris's passing, etc. And I'm not going to go into all of those. We're going to talk at some of those in our next Heart, for the, uh, our heart and Soul Night. But the one I do want to bring clarity to um, is the youth area that Chris and Lisa we're overseeing because obviously people are concerned and want to know and we haven't wanted to just rush in. We want to be sensitive first and foremost, but we also want to make sure that our decision is a good one and not just a rash one. And so as we've waited and prayed about it and spoken to uh, numerous people, uh, including Chris, I might add, these are conversations I was having with Chris about a successor and uh, who he had his eye on and who he thought into the future sometime could possibly lead the youth ministry, and honestly, the overwhelming consensus was Dan McGaw. And so with that in mind, we are very mindful of his age and what he uh, lacks in um, life experience. We want to make up for in a few ways. One of those is spending time with me on a regular basis, doing monthly reviews, but also to put a little bit of an out clause. We've said, if you could caretake and look after our youth group, our youth ministry for the next six months with ongoing help, with ongoing mentoring, with monthly reviews, I think it's a safe plan for our present reality. And so with that in mind, I want to make the announcement that Dan McGaw is going to take charge and lead our youth ministry for the next six months. I'll get you up later. We're going to pray for you, which is awesome. He's also got an incredible girlfriend, uh, Lightning Girl, and um, and she's just she's just incredible balance to Dan, and they're going to make an incredible couple. I'm not prophesying they'll get married, but they will. Um, and honestly, I just feel for them we're getting two for the price of one, which is just awesome. And there's an incredible couple with a great future. And so we look forward to that. Can I just say this I said about Lightning Girl? I don't know if you saw the article in the paper just yesterday in the advertiser, Ashari's face. Actually, Dan was there too. I don't know how you got in on it, mate, but there you were. Dan's there and um, he was just in it for, I don't know, a bit of eye candy or whatever. I don't know. But it really was a sensitive article, a great article, and a good news story. And actually, the media have been very kind to this whole ordeal. And, and I put a post on Instagram yesterday with the picture of that paper cutting, knowing that uh, I've got to be wise how I present that. And, and I, I said this because we need to have a maturity in the body of Christ that can celebrate at the same time as mourn. And I want you to know, I'm so grateful to God that Ashari is alive, safe, and doing extremely well. And we as a church need to celebrate that. We do. We need a maturity to be able to celebrate that. At the same time as be sensitive and mournful with those who are suffering incredible loss 
at this point in time. This is the place of maturity God is trying to get the church. And this is what I want to reproduce, a church that has incredible sensitivity to someone's loss, hurt and pain, but can also live in the moment and embrace someone's success, promotion, or in this occasion, survival. If we don't embrace this, we will remain immature. And immature responses are, what do I say? I don't know what to say. Uh, I feel awkward. And so we withdraw. In our awkwardness, we don't say anything. And so there's no reproducing. There's no discipleship. We have to grow up, church. We have to have a theology that is so robust that we can say, Shari, I'm so glad you're alive. And I am. And Lise, look at her, you're awesome. We feel the pain. And it's right that we feel both. And it's heartbreaking. But it's what grows us. And church, come with me. Come with me. Let, let's get out of, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'll leave that to the pastors. No, no, no. I want us to all think that we're pastors this year. We're going to grow up into ministry. I would hate in us being sensitive to Lisa, that we ignore Ashari and don't know what to say and don't comment on the article and just think, I don't know what to do and mislever. She doesn't want to be ignored. Yeah. At the same time, we don't want, hey, Ashari is awesome and now we just feel awkward around Lisa. We don't, no one should be ignored in this. Yeah. Come on, church, let's grow up. Let's reproduce. Let's have a theology. Let's have a church. It's, it's, it's simple. And you know what? This is not new. This is what Paul was addressing in Romans. Romans chapter 12, he says, let us be a people that can rejoice with those who are rejoicing and mourn with those that are mourning. God wants us to be spiritual schizophrenics. <laughs> like, woohoo! Yay! Oh, it's like that. And if you knew what I knew about what is going on in this church, you would know that we have others who are terminal. And we're walking through with them on a daily basis. There are people in our congregations that may not be in our congregations in the next 12 months because what they are going through. That, that's their reality. We've got to be there for them. And can you see when someone says, I don't like their music. And can you see for me, I, just, I, just, I have zero grace for that stuff. I, I do. I just like, come on. Jesus didn't come back for our comfort. He didn't, he's not coming back for, for our favourite's chair. You know, I want church to be a safe place, yet a dangerous place. I want it to be a safe place. But don't think a safe place equals you can leave your handbag on the chair and expect nothing to get nicked. I want things to get nicked in this place. Not by the Christians who should know better, but the people that we are wanting to reach out to. So I'm sorry. If you come to me and something got stolen, and I'm, my first question would be, where did you leave it? If you left it on a chair and thought, because this is a safe place, no one's going to take it, I'm going to say, more fool you, in love. With a pastoral smile on my face. But seriously, where, where else can you leave a handbag? Can you leave one at Adelaide Oval and then complain it got taken? Imagine going to the movies. I'll just save my seat. I'll go to the movies. I'll go to the toilet. Oh, my bag's gone. Of course it's going to be gone because people out there flog things. <laughs> and that's who we want to reach, the people who flog things. Yeah. I don't want you to, seriously, after the service, grab your gear. We have thieves amongst us. <laughs> and you're welcome. Yeah. Safe place, but dangerous. And obviously we want to protect people and we'd have some conversations and that's strong love, tough love and we wouldn't condone it. But we could address the perpetrator. We could address the person who was silly enough to leave it there. It's two conversations now. It's called discipleship. Yeah. Oh, be strong! <laughs> the alternative of being strong and addressing it is sitting back, rose-coloured glasses saying, this shouldn't be happening. There's no place for that in the Word of God. There's no place for that. The announcement about, damn, we shouldn't have to make this conversation. It shouldn't have happened. Well, okay, granted. 
but it has. We've got young people that need leading. God help us. We need you. I mean, seriously, if you know our young people, they need help. You can't sit there saying it shouldn't be happening. In the meantime, I don't know what's going on. But I do know two of them very well in that youth group, and they need your help. We need help. Who's ready to reach and reproduce like never before this year? Some of you can't clap, I know, because you're holding your handbag. I get that. I get it. It's okay. I don't want to clap, but I'm just holding on to my handbag. Some of you are going to be worshipping now, holding your handbag. Just like... Oh, my goodness. My goodness, connect groups, uh, there's going to be a change in, in, in oversight there. My wife is going to step in. That's how important this is to us. Being connected is, is, is a massive importance to us as a church. It's a massive importance. Uh, we are a local autonomous church. Some people call it independent. We are anything but independent. We are well connected. We have people in this city that we're connected to, Danny Guglamucci being one. But we have people all over the world, Paul Deong in New Zealand, Paul Scanlon in the UK, Craig Clark in South Africa, Chris Venant in America, Rob Rufus in Hong Kong. We, 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 we are incredibly connected to people, and that's what connect groups are all about. It's about us being connected to others so that there's relationship, so there's people who know you, so there's people who can speak into your world, so that there's some accountability and there's some love and there's cakes that come your way in your time of need and there's food that comes your way and there's correction when it comes your way. That's the power of connection. And we really want to focus in on our connect groups this year and we want to get more of you involved in connect groups without twisting your arm but just sharing our heart behind it. We're training up 12 other couples to be able to lead connect groups that's starting next week doing it in our home and uh, I just get really excited about that for this year connect groups are really really important some of the events that we're going to be putting on again this year we're bringing back the bloke and all the men said you know we've done different things with the bloke but it essentially is around creating an environment where men can get together. And we as a church can meet them uh, halfway. To expect men to come to church and, and embrace our culture and do what we want to do based upon our revelation over years is not cutting it. In actual fact, I think most men's ministry in churches are just women's ministry in disguise. I do. I do. But we want to actually meet men halfway. And so we've done things around burgers, uh, beer, boxing, sporting personalities. And we want to continue that theme and just kind of meet people halfway. Way. And you know what? As risky as that may sound, God's been incredibly kind and gracious to us. And we've had incredible nights of just reaching people, people that we otherwise would not have reached. And so we're going to be doing that this year. Significant Women's Conference is, is back on this year. It's being moved into September. Um, Youth Winter Project, they're getting Reggie Dabs, which won't mean much to some of the older ones, but Reggie Dab is a legend in Christendom, and uh, he's going to really bless those guys. Some of the keynote speakers that we've got lined up, uh, Ray Andrews is on tonight, Dr. Ray Andrews, talk more about that later. Uh, Rick Shelton from the States is coming, Rob Rufus from Hong Kong in April, Dan Leanne's coming back. Dan Leanne phoned me, he said, whatever I can do to help. He was going to cancel one of his international trips just to be with us. And I said, look, I really appreciate that. It's not that urgent, but we have booked him in for May. And he's going to spend a good time with Dan Ashari, the leadership team, just loving on them in their youth meetings and obviously the weekend with us, which would be fantastic. Uh, I've mentioned Reggie, Reggie Dabbs. Cy Rogers can't do a weekend, but he is going to do a midweek something with our staff teams. And we'll do something midweek of a night based upon his uh, area of expertise, which is just awesome. If you don't know some of these people, and their names, just Google them and you'll see they're incredible ministers, uh, which is amazing. Russell Evans is going to do something with our leaders. It won't be a weekend thing, but something with our leaders, which is amazing. We've asked Paul DeYong to come back. Uh, and for the first time ever, we're getting Phil Pringle, who heads up the Triple C movement, uh, to come to our church in October. And uh, saw him this week and he's really excited about that. So again, uh, there's some of the things that are coming up there. Um, Kidgo is continuing. Uh, with our Christmas celebration this year, we're actually going to do it over two nights. We're going to do the same production over two nights just to create more room for more people. So that's quite exciting, planning ahead there. Uh, our property, um, we're going to continue to upgrade our property. Everything about you should say something about you. 
And our building should prophesy. It, it, it's not to be worshipped, but it is to be used, but it's also to speak to people. And so we want to make sure that um, we are looking after it. We're looking at uh, re-signing our lease and in so doing, get the whole um, car park bitumized, which would be a massive, massive blessing. So we're looking to do that this year. And uh, in June, we're going to have our month of generous June and do our heart for the house once again. And uh, the monies that come in from that will do things. Uh, this building still feels new to many of us including myself, but it is showing a little bit of wear and tear, and we want to get onto that before it gets too problematic. So we want to really make a bit of a, a fit out in the foyer, and also our front facade is getting tired, and we need to give some attention to that. So that's where some of the monies is going to go toward the heart for the house in looking after the property this year. Um, Victory Conference Centre has been officially registered uh, as a conference centre, and it's on its own website now. Uh, can I just say that when it comes to this becoming a conference centre, we do it really to be a wise steward of what God has given us. And so it gives us three things, I believe. One is exposure. Um, there's still people who have never heard of Victory Church, and this uh, gives us greater exposure um, to the secular world. Uh, secondly, it um, gives us connections. You know, when Paul went into cities, he started out as a tent maker. That was his profession. Um, it wasn't so much to make a living because churches were supporting him. He did it to make connections. Yes, he made a living for himself, but it was more about making the connections. And for us, this is about making connections with people that we otherwise would not make connections with. And that's where Christianity starts. Jesus became a friend of sinners. It starts with friendship. It starts with us you know, saying, hi. That's where Christianity starts. It starts with us saying, hi. Turn to the person next to you and say, hi. So you can do it. We're reproducing already. It's amazing. It's working. Woohoo. And the other area, of course, is it does generate some income. Led well and, and done well, it does uh, generate some income, of which we are unapologetic about and, and uh, not backward in letting you know that. If I ask you, who would like more money? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's true for the church. If we get more money, it means we can do more things. And, uh, you know, for us, this is an opportunity for us to generate an income. Imagine if you got to heaven and you owned something that God showed you, you could actually have made more money, the thing that you wanted, but you just were just too lazy or weren't focused enough or weren't obedient enough. I want to be focused. I want to be obedient enough and I want to be willing to put the hard work in to utilize what we've got. It's not much more effort just to turn this into a conference center and make greater exposure, greater connections and some extra money. And already we have people like Honda uh, looking at using this place, the Seventh-day Adventist, uh, Seventh Adventist schools and government agencies. So I think that's quite exciting. Uh, our outreach ministries uh, that are continuing this year, KidGo, which is a children's holiday program. We have our Salisbury train station outreach headed up by Rodney Mangos. And, and, and if you want a wild ride, if you, want to, if you want to see a little bit of crazy, join Rodney and his team. It's not, it's not conventional. It's not the safe little, it, it, it's out there. And if, you, if, that's, if that's something you want to get involved in, get involved in that. Red Frogs, headed up by Breno, is an amazing initiative, uh, which is, sorry? Uh, anyway, uh, so Red Frogs is, is happening again this year. And, and that's an opportunity for some of our young people to get into music festivals and, and certain events like the cricket uh, and just get amongst people. I actually joined the Red Frogs this year. And it's fantastic, you know, being able to give out... This is bizarre. To give out red frogs, literally, when you say, what are red frogs? The lollies, red frogs. You give out red frogs to complete strangers and water. Ben and Jess, they are just like, you know, they just love this kind of stuff. And uh, it's just amazing when you see people saying, why would you do that? And so it's just to keep on top because we care. Just want to keep on top of things. The, the police love red frogs because with red frogs on the, uh, in the grounds and at the events, it really does temper the level of violence. Because obviously the violence is generally fueled by alcohol and with us rehydrating people, getting their sugar levels up here, some people need a few more than <laughs> have the bag of red frogs, you know, get some sugar into your system. So that's continuing. Playgroup, which is for preschools, headed by uh, Sky Blackmore. Nurture for mums with newborns, Sarah McIlrath. We're also going to continue reaching into certain schools, Parra Hills High School being one, which what they were doing last year was doing a weekly program, making lunches, cupcakes, etc. And uh, there's been a donation of 40 dresses for the Year 12 formal coming up at Parry Hills High. And we're all part of that. You need to know that we're part of that. Our reach is far bigger than just this. See, see, when you say no to coming to church on Sunday, you're saying no to all this. It's, it's much bigger. This is not it. It's much bigger than this. 
Let's get it in our heart and our heads. Church is much more than sitting there staring at the back of somebody's head on a Sunday. If that's all it is, I'm out. I'm done. I'm, I'm tapping out now. But it's not. It's much, much more than that, which is awesome. Obviously, our cafe uh, continues to be our, our biggest outreach to date. So that's obviously going to continue. And there's some other things along those lines. Uh, our chapel service, we want to try and see our chapel numbers go up. We're probably consistently getting about 80 people of a week. And we want, I'd love to get that up to 150. I'd love it from there to go into here. Uh, it'll be a different flavor always. But I, I don't want it just to remain small. I want it to grow. And so that's kind of going up in the right direction, which is encouraging. Um, our Kalawasi project, we work with Mercy Indonesia, reaching into a small uh, village in the island of Java, Indonesia, called Kalawasi. It's pronounced about seven different ways, that's one of them. And uh, with our involvement, government uh, have built roads and infrastructure to the village. Because of what we are doing, they recognise it's so significant that the government has said, we're going to make a road to this village to help you out. They, they just see it. It's influencing governments, which is amazing. Uh, uh, teachers are requesting that we come and train, and we had a team go in there just recently that our teachers could train their teachers to train their kids. That sounds like reach and reproduction happening right there. That's what we're talking about. Um, Kath and I, uh, along with others this year, are going to go in there and train the pastors. So we're going to train uh, the pastors to train the people. That sounds like reach and reproduction uh, to me, which is amazing. Uh, Kidgo in July going ahead uh, as per normal. Again, it's Katie and the team going there and training the teachers of the kids how to do events like Kidgo holiday programs. And they've done that a number of times before. They're going to do that again this year. That sounds like reach and reproduction to me. Um, and just so that you know, we sold about 160-odd goats uh, last year uh, at Christmas, which is amazing. So you think, what is that all about? You've just got to get involved in the church to find out, uh, which is all sold goats. What do they do in this place? Um, th that was just a little initiative because uh, at a certain time of year, they have Ramadan. And in us buying a goat for a family in that little village of Kalawasi, it means that they can grow the goat. And goats grow off and eat anything. So it's not like there's a big cost to the family. And as the little goat grows a big goat, they can then sell it to those that are going to slaughter it for Ramadan. And they get the money. Which is an amazing uh, initiative, I think, and one that they are really appreciative of. And so on behalf of the people in that village, they say thank you, uh, which is amazing. Um, and the only other thing I really want to mention as the band come up, um, that we want to next year really target, we've talked about it before, we haven't really got a lot of traction around it, but I want to, with a better planning and preparation, um, really present something for our year 12s who may not know what they want to do to create a gap year. And I think whatever it is they go on to do, a year in Bible college, close proximity to staff and pastors of leaders of Victory Church can set them up for whatever it is that they go on to do. Many of these young ones are going to go into university, which is very much an anti-Christian environment. And to give them some focus and some a consolidated effort and, and, and teaching just to set them up for university or whatever else they go on to do, trades or whatever, I don't think is a bad uh, plan in the light of 30, 40, 50 years onwards. And so we want to really plan that much better this year for next year. So we're letting you know there's a lot of year 12s that we have in this church. Again, we're not going to enforce you to do that. It's not like you have to do it. But uh, a little gap year called you know, a year in the sun, I, I think uh, is what we're kind of framing it at this early stages and uh, create an opportunity to set our young people up for their reach into universities but that they wouldn't be influenced by the universities, but they would reproduce themselves in the universities. Some of these things we've talked about but didn't get the traction, just trying to be honest with you, but I think with better planning and thought and preparation, we can, have a, we can create a really good uh, year for some of our year 12s. If you know what you want to do, go do it. Be blessed. But I know many are just in limbo. And for those, I'd say, hey, why not consider a gap year? giving yourselves dedicated study, I think it's going to give you good grounding for whatever else God has 
into the future. Amen. I've already mentioned that we're having our heart for the house. Uh, month of June, generous June. We'll talk more about that when we come up to it. But uh, again, that's how we're going to finance some of these things that we're doing. Like I said, discipleship's not hard, but it is hard work. It's easy, but it is costly. It's free, but it's going to cost us. Jesus went to the cross and we receive salvation that it is free to us, but it costs Jesus his life. I believe some of the people that we're going to be reaching, they're going to receive the free benefits. Going to the paradise, uh, paradise, going to the Parahills school, and what we present is free. But what's free to them comes at a cost to us. That's discipleship. The church is not all about your money. Please, we've got to get rid of that thinking. The church doesn't just want your money. We're here to train and equip. We want us to make a difference. And in order for us as a church to make a difference, we've got to embrace what others won't embrace. And that is the cost. The cost may be financial. The cost may be those tough conversations done in love. The Bible says it this way, speak the truth in love. Most people I know hate confrontation. And I get that. It's part of our temperament. I get that. But I want us to be so discipled that we can still hate confrontation but do it because we have a strong why. See, if you don't like confrontation and don't do it and your why is because I don't like it. If, you're, if your why is I don't do it because I don't like it, that's, that's, that's your why. We've got to change that why. It's not like I want to get to the place where I love confrontation. Anyone who loves confrontation is a sick person. They need help. But we do it because we have a strong why. Why did I speak about Lisa and Ashari? That's so insensitive. Or not. Maybe, maybe it's just the very thing I'm trying to model. Church, I believe that this can be our greatest year because it's going to be one of our deepest years. I really sense prophetically that God is wanting us to go deeper. Beyond my handbag, beyond my chair, beyond my preference to music. But that we could get a stronger why. I don't go to that church because I don't like the music. That's a, it's the wrong why. It's the wrong why. I always say this, when it comes to music preferential preferences, someone's got to take a hit. In a, in a company of this many people and the diversity of ages, you're not going to get a music that's to everyone's liking. And so my question is, who should take the hit? Should the younger, more generally speaking, more immature ones take the hit and have to listen to what we older ones like? That's one way of looking at it. And we can got Bible verses to justify that, honour your parent. We could do that. But by honouring the Scriptures, we could be losing our young people. And we'd still be honouring the Scriptures, but losing our young people. Or we could still honour the Scriptures and keep our young people by saying, you know what? I've had my day where I had all that music I liked. I'm going to take the hit when it comes to music preference and let the young ones have what they would prefer. And while it may not be my preference or style, the joy that will come to you is seeing young people in church. Young people down the front, worshipping, jumping. I would take that over my preference any day. I take that over any day, any day. My preference, no young people. Or let my preference go, have young people. What's your why going to be? And you know what? When you're at home, because we're only here for a short time. Every other day, every other moment of every other day, you can listen to what you want. Johnny Cash, Steve. You look like a Johnny Cash guy to me on your 60th birthday. And I feel the same when we're in my car, driving. 
When it's me and Kath, we'll put our 80s music on. When it's the kids, we'll put their music on every time. I don't want to bore our kids with my music. Having said that, my son in particular, he's got an incredible appreciation for music. So he likes 80s music. Jordan is yet to catch up. She doesn't quite get it. You know what? Let's let's listen to them. Because I would rather have them happy being in our car than I'm not going to travel with Dad because it's always what he wants. Yeah. Church, this is how we're going to reach people this year. This is how we're going to reproduce ourselves. Yeah. And so for the young ones, when when you're dealing with the young ones, same goes for you. You might be getting your music in church, but when you take the young ones out and they want to go to Time Zone or what's it called? Tons of fun. Or, or do something that you wouldn't want to do that you've outgrown. Take the hit. Be the mature one. When you're around a, a 10-year-old, do what they want to do. Don't say, no, I don't want to do that. It's boring. Now, welcome to the old ones who have to listen to your music. Come on, it goes both ways. It's called reach and reproduction. It's called growing up, maturity, becoming more like Christ. Amen? Doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. Imagine if we can teach this at every level. It gets really exciting. It gets really exciting. So young people get ready to listen to a lot of wiggles. Do you know how many times we've watched the wiggles, Kath and I? We've watched the wiggles more times than I care to remember. But the memory of having my children on my lap watching it, that's the memory. That's why I did it. No self-respecting parents likes the wiggles. But oh, we did it. Why? Because the child on the lap, the giggles, the laughter, the running up the television, pointing to Dorothy, the dinosaur. I'll take that any day. I'll even put up with the wiggles to get that moment. Let's stand. Have I made sense this morning? Caught my heart this morning. Let me pray for you. And we'll go out with a song and we'll sing it really badly together. I was singing, I had Jess singing in my ear. And I was singing, I could hear me, and I just, I just stopped singing. I was listening to Jess, it's awesome. She can sing. Dr. Ray Andrews is coming back tonight. Been with us, this will be the third time. I want to encourage every one of you who can come back tonight. Ray is one of those incredible gifts to Kath and me and, and this house that's happened in the last 18 months. 12 months, really. It's been a blessing. Ray is someone I want to see every six months. Just to talk things through, stay clean emotionally, mentally. You know what, there's different ways you can serve as your car. You can serve as your car every six months and keep on top of it and never have a breakdown. Or you never do that, and one day you're driving and you break down. And you have to call the RAA. The RAA is a picture of God's grace. Thank God for the RAA. But let's not rely on God's grace when we don't have to. Let's, let's allow wisdom to kick in. The RAA is like a package of grace. Come on, jump a lead. Getting the blue tape, getting the keys out of the car, all that stuff. Praise God. So you can service your car and never have a breakdown or not service it and have a breakdown. I want to service my marriage regularly. And so we have people from all over the world come and stay in our home. And they live with us for three days, four days, which five days, sometimes a week. And they get to see us first thing in the morning, last thing at night. And every time we have people who stay in our home, I say, hey, can you just give us a bit of a critique on how we're tracking? How are the kids? Because you know what? I can take them out for a meal and our kids can behave pretty much for a meal. Train them to do that. A week, that's out of my control. And I I love just getting constant feedback. Because I don't want to wait till my marriage is broken down before I get help. Generally speaking, when it's broken down, it's too late. So I want to say, you know what? I'm not going to break down. I'm going to have an incredibly sexy marriage. And so help me. I get the right people helping. Ray Andrews, I don't want to have a mental breakdown. So I, I say, Ray, uh, Ray just, let's just talk. And from a good place. And to get the clean bill of health. It's just fantastic. I want this to be a healthy place where we get help. 
So Ray's coming tonight. I know he spent time with you, Lisa. You need a lot of help, girlfriend. You really do. Um, but don't we all? Let's not see this as a stigma. Oh, getting counseling. Ah, just, just get what you need. I don't want to go to the gym because I don't know what to do. Get help. Why should you have a physical breakdown? I get, I get people all the time give me advice on nutrition, the right people. I still go to a physical trainer, a PT, and get advice. I don't know it all. I say, hey, look, I'm getting a bit stale, and this is any new exercise, is there any new something I can do? Just. There's not one aspect of my being that's not getting continually helped and tweaked. And I'd love to see that be true for us. And so Ray Andrews is coming to stop us having a breakdown as a church. He loves our church, by the way. What was that? I tried to ignore it. I would have ignored it. I would have ignored it. But everybody looked over there, so... I would have covered you, but this congregation's not where I'm at. It's just... <laughs> Father, thank you for this precious church. Thank you for every precious person. And I want to thank you in advance for the people that we're going to reach this year. Some right now mowing the lawn, some right now in town with a hangover, some right now at the Souls train station. Some in the island of Kalawasi. Wherever they may be, we, we just thank you in advance for those that we're going to have connections with and reach this year and, 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 and put a deposit of ourselves into their lives and invest into them this year. And so, Father, we don't glorify the what. The what can change. But I pray that our why would be stronger than ever before. That our why about what we do would grow, that we'd have a very strong why to reach people, precious people, and connect them to God, to His church, and to their purpose. May that be our reality more this year than ever before. And those who have grown tired and weary, I pray your grace. Let's raise our hands to heaven right now. Grace, the grace of God, the supernatural ability to sustain us would be our portion. I ask that in your precious name. The weary ones, the tired ones, the ones who want to give up and say it's not worth it. May your grace be their portion today. That we would not give up, but that we'd indeed be strong in Christ, in the grace that He pours out upon us. We ask that in your precious name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 